All right, time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Okay, we just had a real kind of rock'em sock'em debate here on the idea of a home equity tax. So this is the idea that keeps coming up, right? So wow. Tom, Tom Davidoff. It keeps coming ha- up amongst academics. Well, yeah, like Tom Davidoff. It doesn't Davidoff. come up among politicians. Well, that's the thing. Like, that's, is it, like, is it that's poli- a critical difference. Is it politically? <laughs> it's not politically realistic. No, it's, it's, you know, the academics can argue this all they want. I mean, but I'm not yet to hear a single politician who has any reasonable chance of forming uh, in a party that forms government talking about this. Yeah, let's listen to, okay, Paul Kershaw, another very high-profile academic. He's the guy who really pushes this button all the time. So here's what he said to me. Have a listen. That's like a large pot of gold. That isn't a nest egg. That is a wealth windfall. You know, if I'd accumulated that half million dollars over 10, 15 years of work, then great is my savings. Yeah, okay, so well, he's saying it's a wealth windfall. Equity has gone down for everyone yeah, right now. Yeah. It's not as high as it was last year. Everyone, the housing prices have slumped. So this is nonsensical. You know, I go to budget lockups and Paul's there and he, he calls for a reduction in health care and a, a tax on home equity. It's just completely non-starters in the political atmosphere, whether it's provincial level or federal level. So continue to argue about this. But until you can show me evidence of a single credible politician embracing this idea, it continues to be uh, for academia, not for the real world. Especially when homeowners tend to vote Right. They have a stake in things. Yeah. You know, uh, this is why uh, historically younger people don't vote because they don't have a they don't have a dog in the hunt. You know, they don't have any they don't have a mortgage. They don't necessarily pay a lot of taxes. Uh, It's it's older voters. uh, Older people tend to vote in greater numbers than younger people and they tend to own homes. Yeah. I I saw a poll once that said uh, renters tend to vote less than homeowners, too. Yeah, and that that could very well be. But if you're an older renter, you're probably voting. But again, these these types of ideas, and I think the this was a probably a little more interesting when when home equity home prices were off the charts. Yeah. Um, but they've cooled for the last year and a half or so, uh, considerably, and they're not still they're still unaffordable for many people. I mean, you know, just because a home goes from one point five million to a million doesn't make it any more affordable for many people. You know, you still can't carry a you know five hundred thousand dollar mortgage. But uh, I think the mania that went on with maybe this idea of uh, taxing home equity is is uh, subsided. Okay. Let me ask you about some talking points here on uh, federal politics that has sort of emerged here the last few days. I think it's really interesting. And Pierre Tr- or Justin Trudeau last night speaking to some uh, Liberal Party supporters, calling out Pierre Polyev for Polyev's repeated assertion that Canada is... Broken, broken, yes. Broken in Polyev's words. Mm-hmm. So Polyev, you know, this is a frequent talking point for him now. So he says, look at what's going on in the country, right? You've got runaway inflation. You've got kids stacking up sick in hospitals when you can't buy kids Tylenol in your, mm-hmm. in your drugstore. You've got overdose deaths off the chart. Everything seems broken. So here's what Polyev has to say. This is what he's been saying, and then we'll play Trudeau. It feels like everything's broken in Canada. The good news is we're going to fix it. Okay, feels like everything is broken. Now, here is Trudeau last night talking to a liberal audience responding. Have a listen to this. When he says that Canada is broken, that's where we draw the line. This is Canada. I don't accept Canadians and politicians that talk down our country. Okay, what do you think of that? He says Polyev is talking down the yeah, country. Well, I think the Liberals sent 
a little blood in the water right now because of that Mississauga Lakeshore by-election where the Conservatives completely crashed yeah. uh, in the 905 Beltway where the election is going to be won or lost. I think the Liberals will see this on the attack. I, th- the, I think the Globe Mail had an editorial yesterday saying is Pierre Poliev peaked. You know, is this as good as it's going to get for him? Uh, and so you see the Liberals on the attack now. Yeah, and the other thing that Trudeau, every time Trudeau talks about Polyev now, he repeats the the cryptocurrency line where he says, oh, this is the guy who says you could beat inflation by investing in crypto. This is like the big laugh line he gets every time from whoever he's speaking to. Yeah, He's going to keep playing that card. I'm, so he tries to paint Polyev as some kind of conspiracy theorist, crackpot, the country's not broken, you're actually you're talking down Canadians. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's an interesting sort of response. It, it is, and it's sort of just perhaps is the framework of the next, uh, where the battle yeah. lines are going to be drawn in the next election. You know, you've got Poliev. I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily discount the effectiveness of Poliev's message here. There is a lot of yeah. trouble going on out there, oh, Yeah. Uh, whether it's health care, whether it's uh, inflation and cost of living. And, and it's not a bad uh, button to press if you're an opposition member. But it's also effective for Trudeau to sort of rally the troops that we're Canada. We're, we can rise above this. So it's uh, interesting talking points from both, uh, both politicians. I'm not sure Poliev has peaked, though. Well, he hasn't certainly. His numbers haven't gone up in months. Mm. Uh, he, you know, there could be an argument that he's either peaked or he's plateaued. Yeah. He, he just hasn't. He hasn't gone down, but he hasn't gone up in terms yeah. of approval uh, or or the party's own own uh, measure with voters. I wonder what members of the Conservative Party think about the non-effort in that by-election. I mean, this was a Mississauga riding. The Conservatives had held... I mean, look, this is a Liberal riding, usually. I think they won it once under Harper. I think they won it twice yeah. under Harper. Okay. And they, but they they, only, they lost by six points last election. They lost yeah. by 15 or 14 this time. Okay, so six points. And by, governments guess, don't usually do well in by-elections. Well, that's it. I mean, if you lost by six points in a general election, you've got a, ter- you got a t- bad economy. Um, uh, Trudeau's approval ratings have been down a bit. You'd think they would say, we got a shot here, and we're going to try and win it. And they didn't. Like, Polyev didn't even campaign didn't there. Didn't even try. No, didn't even try. So yeah. either they they saw some internal polling and said, what, what's the point? You know, we're not going to win this thing. Um, but it's a by-election. It's not a general election. It was a low turnout. I mean, the Conservatives can sort of turn this into a glass-half-full argument as well um, because, of, because of the low turnout. But it's still got to be a bit troubling for me. I, I think it put a little... A little juice in uh, in Mr. Trudeau. The conservatives were also trying to say, like, we, you know, basically we didn't have a shot there. This is a liberal riding, so we didn't want to waste waste our time effectively. But well, they have to win also, ridings like that if they well, want to win, win power. It's not if they just accept the status quo, they're doomed to opposition again. They have to turn ridings like that if they want to form a government. Suburban voters, yep, right, yep. especially in Toronto, and they went backwards. Yeah, it wasn't went, even close. He went the wrong way. Okay, Donald Trump. So Donald Trump earlier this week got everyone excited. Oh, I've got a big announcement coming out, and then everyone thought, Oh, what's he going to announce? Is he going to announce his running partner for president, or what's he going to do? And here was his announcement. Here's Trump. Hello, everyone. This is Donald Trump. Hopefully, your favorite president of all time, better than Lincoln, better than Washington, with an important announcement to make. I'm doing my first official Donald J. Trump. NFT collection right here and right now. They're called Trump Digital Trading Cards. <laughs> this is oh, like, you can't make that up. It's classic, you know. Better than Lincoln. Better than Washington. Yeah. I mean, I was watching this and I was thinking like, oh man, this is the lowest of the low. This is like 
desperation become mode. Become a comical farce. He's he's selling these ETF these uh, NFTs now yeah. that are just completely no. discredited. But guess what? He sold them out. Like he what, he raised four point four million bucks overnight with these he's these digital his, trading. He's cart. got his de- dedicated acolytes, no question. But I mean, I think there was a poll out recently. DeSantis has something like a twenty four point lead over him amongst Whoa. Republican voters. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think this is Trump's last gap. So I mean, I, we've always said never write him off. I never wrote him off when he first be, first ran for president. I kept saying hey, this guy could win, but now I think the tide has turned. I wonder if this is just like a money play right now, like running for president just to keep himself in the spotlight while he does stuff like well, this, like got, selling digital trading cards. He's got significant financial and legal problems, yeah. and his legal bills are huge. Yeah. He's got to make some money to pay for this stuff. He doesn't. He doesn't seem to care that he looks like comical. No, or, well, or, he's never. He's never cared that he looks comical. No, I mean it's part of the brand, really. It, it's it, exactly. It, you know, this it's kind part of, of the selling point. This kind of bloviating sort of cartoon <laughs> character, and he just you know very never, cartoonish. Yeah. Okay. Better than Lincoln. Better than Washington. It was very funny. I thought <laughs> it was a good laugh. It's Baldry's beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here, Doug in Surrey. Hi, Doug. Go ahead. Hi, Mike and Keith. How you doing? I was just listening to uh, what you were saying about Trump and his digital cards. Uh, who was a P.T. Barnum said a sucker's born every minute, so I guess they, everybody wants a collector's item. And they got one, and they say, I own a Trump card. Big deal. Yeah. But as for Canadian politics, uh, Paulie, have, uh, I think it was Keith said that they've uh, they plateaued. They haven't really gone anywhere since uh, their great messiah, who was at Harper, has gone up to publish a book or some stupid thing. Uh, it, our alternatives to Trudeau in this country, uh, it's it's easier to, uh, to filter clean water out of a swamp than when, uh, when you go to vote in the Canadian politics. Okay, well, thank you. Well, yeah, I mean, there's no question the Trudeau brand's been tarnished um, um, in recent years. It still is able to win elections, though. Um, we seem to have partitioned into three camps out there and no one seems to be moving between the camps. So, you know, the NDB and the Bloc have their their base. It doesn't seem to grow. It doesn't seem to diminish. The Conservatives and the Liberals, both, um, again, low numbers, but one has slightly more because of the electoral math where the urban and suburban ridings dictate who forms power. And until Poliev can crack through that in yeah. Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver, yeah. uh, we're going to have a status quo election. Right. And I think Poliev has to change his campaigning style. Like he's doing, he does really well in this social media kind of stuff, appealing to the conservative base. I mean, that's how we won this landslide leadership win. But I mean, when you start trying to connect with suburban voters or people, people who maybe don't pay a lot of attention to politics, that's where he seems to have be challenged. Yeah, and you got to start grabbing people outside the tent and bring them yeah. into the tent. And all politicians have to do that. And Poliev has yet to show an ability to do that. Yeah, Jim in Surrey. Hi, Jim. Go ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, many moons ago, we bought our first house. It was at 19 and three quarters percent interest. I lost my job at the end of that <laughs> month. I had to get a new one. We worked our guts out to pay that house off. Then uh, years later, we sold it. We bought a lot. And what did we do? We contracted and pounded nails ourselves. Why? Because we couldn't afford to get anybody else to do that for us. Mm-hmm. We worked our guts out to pay it off. Now we pay over 6000 dollars in property tax and utilities every year and now you want more money out of me 
Go ahead, yeah. political party. Go ahead. Any political party that institutes that, you're going to lose the election so fast it will make your head spin. Hey, Jim, thank you. Yeah, you could actually take Jim's call, put it in a, an ad, and play it for politicians in an election campaign, anybody who wants to voice support for something like that. Again, politicians aren't talking about this. It's yeah. academics who are talking about yeah. this. Yeah. And you're not going to see politicians. I mean, it, it, Jim's point also, a lot of people have sweat equity in their homes where they've done renovations themselves. They've invested in their houses. You know, how many people have taken out second and third mortgages to pay for renovations? I think, I think some politicians have talked about this in the back rooms, taking a look at this mountain of equity and wealth that's sitting there untaxed and just with the sal- yeah, salivating over it. But, I, you know, none of them would have the guts to, to go for it. I think years ago, the NDP under Jack Layton, or maybe it was, I think, yeah, I think it was Layton, floated the idea uh, about a home equity um, yeah. tax because at a time when, Housing wasn't really expensive, except for the West Coast, mm. and, they, and they abandoned it very quickly. I yeah. think in the middle of a campaign because it just was a political non-starter. You're not going to get politicians talking about this. Mike and Vernon, hi, Mike. Go ahead, hey, gentlemen. Um, yeah, okay. The last caller, <laughs> he nailed it. There's no need for me to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the on the, the Polyev Trudeau file, um, you know the, the the idea that the country is is broken, eh, I wouldn't go quite that far, but it's certainly in trouble and, and heading down a road we shouldn't be going for the wealth that we have in this country. And to me, the problem is, I mean, we look at the military, we look at our inflation, uh, the health care system, seniors care. There's a lot of different things that are, that are, are major problems. And what I see constantly that drives me nuts is the lack of bipartisan approach to solving these problems. It's always a battle one way or the other. And I would love to see bipartisan committees put together, you know, to battle or to, uh, to come up with answers to our health care issues and our military problems. And we do have military problems because, let's face it, the military is our home guard, not necessarily against outside forces, but hurricanes, floods, things like that. We need them to be strong because they're the, they're the best help we can we can possibly have. Um, okay, but yeah, bipartisan. No. We need we need to get away from this endless battling and get back to solving problems, which Canada was so good at doing. Thank you, Mike. Well, unfortunately, I don't see much hope uh, or any evidence on the horizon. We're going to see bipartisanship. Well, we did see an interesting sort of reach out between uh, between David Eby and and Ken Sim, the new Vancouver mayor, this week. Yeah, on that level, sure. Yeah. Uh, on the that's a provincial government talking to municipal government, but yeah. I don't think you're going to see that extended, be like David Eby reaching out to Kevin Falcon. Yeah, or certainly not at the federal or level. Justin Trudeau and Pierre Polyev no. working together on something. I mean, Trudeau, the Trudeau government, one of its trademarks, op- standard operating procedure is uh, find wedge issues, right? Divide yeah, and sure. conquer. I yeah. mean, that's their approach to government, uh, and it works for them. So this is why they do it. And you don't see bipartisan. I mean, the states is another classic example. There used to be occasional bipartisanship down in the states. That place is almost on the brink of a civil war between two solitudes that just will not talk, not only not talk to each other, but will try to stab each other. We're not at that level in Canada, but we're probably getting close to it.